Amen. I said he is a holy God, which is just reminds me continually of the miracle that that we can have contact with him through the blood of his son. Amen. Because he's so holy and we're so unholy. Amen. If we don't believe that, we need to go back to the scripture. Amen. The best that we got don't begin to make us worthy in any shape, form, or fashion to approach the holiness of God. Yet he's made a way. God always makes a way, don't he? What a God. Amen. What a God. What a God. What a God. You know, the world, the world has a, a view of the Lord that's so tainted and, and wants to take and, and take questions that are really unanswerable and, and ultimately they're mankind's fault because everything evil in the world is a byproduct of sin. I'm going to say that again. Everything evil. Everything bad in your life and everything bad in my life is a result, either directly or indirectly, of the fall. Amen? And so there are questions that I can't answer any more than you can when it comes to suffering of good people or the death of an innocent child or abuse or things of that nature. Amen? And the world has a view that if God were so good, then he wouldn't allow this or he wouldn't allow that. But the way we all look at it, God is so good that he's made a way. Amen? God's great. He's a good God. He's so good that he's made a way. Amen. Coming home tomorrow. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Brother Frank. That's always in order. And uh, as you know, or if you don't know, he had a grandbaby that was born prematurely. And they had to rush him to Macon. But everything's worked out hunky-dory. And he's coming home tomorrow. See what I'm talking about? That's a good God. I'm feeling glory bumps. Amen. That's a good God. That's a good God. We're going to go to a, a fairly familiar story tonight. On a message entitled, Give That Dog a Bone. Give that dog a bone. We're going to go to the two places that's recorded in Scripture, this story, Matthew chapter 7 and then, uh, I mean Mark chapter 7 and then Matthew chapter 15. Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. The Scripture says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, or Sidon, depending on how you say it, and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but it could not be hid. The reason it could not be hid, for a certain woman, or the result of not being hid, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. Now, when you research it, uh, the emphasis here and the emphasis in Matthew's rendition of the story is to let you know that this woman was not a Jew. And the word used Greek here does not necessarily mean that she was from Greece. It is a word that is used many times in Scripture to refer to anybody that is not a Jew. The woman was a Gentile, okay? Because it tells you she was from Tyre and Sidon, and the other Scripture we'll look at 
she's known as a Syrophoenician woman. And uh, she is definitely not of the household of faith as far as her physical birth is concerned. She was a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him. Matter of fact, when you research it, it is believed that she was a Syrian. Now, I want you to look at this whole scope of things because Tyre and Sidon both are, at this time in Scripture, are in the area of Palestine. Now, to remind you of this, modern-day Palestine, any area that's not considered Israel, the word Palestine that we use in the modern is a modern form of Philistine. Do you understand that? Always the enemy of God's people. Going back to before David, but everybody knows the good old story of David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine, the arch enemy of Israel. So this woman is a descendant of that group of people. There is absolutely nothing in her birthright that would give her the right to go to a Jewish rabbi to request something. But she does. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. Talking, of course, about the Jews, the children of Abraham. For it is not meat or it's not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And he, she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Well, what, what power that is. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now let's go to Matthew's version. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Old woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Lord, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word tonight. We confess once again openly and honestly that we're nothing without you. But we are your child, God. And we are speaking to your children tonight. And it is your will that we hunger and thirst. And it is your will to feel that hunger and thirst, Lord. I pray, O oh God, that we would receive this that our spirits would be renewed by the power of the word of God tonight. And I covenant to give you all the praise for you alone are worthy. And we ask it in your precious name. And the church said, Amen. Give that dog a bone.
Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I've got a house dog, a dog that's just a play pretty now. We call him Tank because he's built like a tank. He's an old or new. He's a little puppy. One of those ugly dogs that's so pretty, you know, just a bulldog. But yet I got another one that hangs around the house, a sooner. Anybody ever seen a sooner? The sooner don't have the pedigree of Tank. Tank is a full-blooded old English bulldog. You know, he's the kind you actually pay money for. Amen? I've had to carry him, you know, to the vet. I mean, you got something invested, you got, you know, he's a beautiful thing. Y'all know I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, and ain't no prettier dogs around than them, what I call the ugly dog. They're beautiful dogs to me. They're so ugly, they're pretty. Anybody know what a dog I'm talking about? Don't y'all like them dogs? I, people have said that I own one in the past, Beth owned one in the past, and so we got this one. Everybody talks about him. He's got a pedigree. Okay, the other day I carried him to, when we went off to, to the mountains for a few days, I carried him by and let the vet house him and gave him the shot records, get it, keep the shots up to date because he's cared for. We got the papers to send off to register him. But this sooner that runs around the house don't have no papers, don't have no pedigree, don't have a record of any shots that I've spent on her because I ain't. Yet guess what? She wants to come around to eat because she's hungry. Amen. Now, she's not concerned about Tank's pedigree. She's not concerned about what he cost. She's not concerned about the investment I got in him. She's not concerned about the fact of his bloodline versus hers. All she knows is that she needs something. And she asks. She comes a whining, real humble. You know, y'all seen the dog just hunch that back, wag that tail a little bit. Mm-mm. And it comes slop time. And you know what? Because I'm scared that I actually give Tank dog food. That's the kind of dog you don't want to give slop to. You know what I'm saying? You have to give them good dog food because it'll mess the system up. Anybody ever had an old bulldog like that? They get gassy. You don't want to give them house food. You want to give them a certain type of dog food. Keep them regulated. Keep them right. Okay? She don't come. She don't get that high-priced dog food. It don't care if it's a chicken bone. She's hungry. And she asks. And I always feed her. Y'all understand that? All she knows is she's got a need. And she comes in humility to the person she knows that can feel that need. That's kind of like this woman in this story. She's referred to in a roundabout way, not because the Lord didn't love her, because Jesus was making a point not only to her, he was making a point to his disciples. That even those that do not have the papers. Even those that don't have the testimony that I'm fourth generation church of God. You know what I'm saying? Even those that don't have the testimony like some of us in here do by the grace of God. That I remember my parents praying for me. 
Even those that don't have the testimony that I cut my teeth on the back of the church pew. When you got a need, Jesus still loves you. It don't matter who you are or where you've been. If you ask him, he won't send you away hungry. Amen? There are some very simplistic principles that I want to share about this story tonight before we get into a couple of deep things. First of all is this fairly simple principle, but it's amazing to me of how often this part goes undone. It's simply this. You've got to ask. James 4 and 2 says simply, you have not because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask. He didn't say you do not have because you weren't born a Jew. James didn't say you do not have because you ain't been in church long enough. James doesn't say you do not have because you're not a member of the choir. He says you don't have because you don't ask. Matter of fact, one of the greatest stories in the Bible, and you know this story, in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus comes walking on the water. There's a lot of great things about that story. I mean, you could take any tiny excerpt about that story and preach a half dozen messages on it. But one of the most overlooked and the most profound part of that story to me is in verse 48. I mean, we talk about the rowing, we talk about the boat being... Uh, like the church or like your life and the winds and waves, the, tor- the storms that toss us to and fro. We talk about the fact that Jesus was away praying, yet he could still see them. All and on and on we could go. We can talk about the fact that he has dominion over the storms of the sea and all this. But I want you to listen to what happened. In verse 48, he saw them towing and rowing. He knew they were in trouble. And the wind was against them. Now about the Fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. The reason he didn't pass them by is because they recognized him, the Bible tells us, and yelled out to him. But as much as they needed him, as real and dangerous and terrible as the situation was, The only thing that stopped Jesus was when they actually called for help. Amen. And we're like that oftentimes. We go through things sometimes that are not necessary for us to go through, or they linger longer than they should linger, or we go without longer than we should go without because in our stubbornness or in our ignorant bliss, or in our willingness to try to handle it ourselves, for whatever reason, we don't go to the one source that can fill that need. And as much as God loves you, as much as He has provided for you and me, He's not going to get involved until He is asked to get involved. Amen. It's like the old song we sing, and you know it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what... Needs we often forfeit. Right? Huh? Oh, what needless pains we bear. Needless. All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. 
This woman would not have received the miracle she so desperately desired and needed in her daughter's life if she had not asked the Lord. So principle number one is you've got to ask. Principle number two, and this is for us in our evangelistic efforts, but this is for our own personal life. Don't limit the reach of the gospel. Amen. Most Syrophoenicians would never have went to Jesus. Most women would have never went to Jesus in this day. Amen. And you got to understand this. The disciples, what does Matthew's version say? Once again, the disciples did what they were so good at doing sometimes, wanting to send everybody away. You ain't part of our clique. You ain't part of our clan. When it came to children, you don't qualify yet. Lord, just send them away. Come on. They wanted to bodyguard Jesus a little bit too much. Amen. Maybe they thought they were better than the crowds. Maybe it's because they want a little bit more and didn't want to share it. Maybe it's because in that knowledge they just didn't realize that there's enough for everybody. For whatever reason, the disciples once again want to send them away. You know the story that I like to share all the time. One of my favorites in the Bible about blind Bartimaeus. What happened? He cried out and the crowd said, shut up. They tried to hush him. The disciples once again, Lord, just send her away. She ain't one of us. Send her away. This woman don't deserve it. Send her away. Amen? But can I tell you, God's scope is far beyond that of so many church people. Don't limit the reach of the gospel. Where there's a need, there's a God who loves and will provide and has provided. Matter of fact, let me look at what the Lord said in John chapter 10. I want you to listen to what the Lord says. The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that's a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. Hireling, brother. And he doesn't really care for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my, my life for the sheep. And what is he saying? Now he's talking to the children of Israel, the Jews, about Gentiles, right here. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Galatians 3, 6, and 7, Paul says it this way, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Look at what Paul's saying. He said, let me tell you something. The only reason Abraham became Abraham instead of Abram was after God called him as he believed the promises of God. And because he believed, he entered into the righteousness of God. Therefore, anybody else who believes in this Christ, we are the sons of Abraham because we believe as well. Verse 8, and as the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify, that's you and me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you a heathen. That's just what the Bible calls you now. I'm reading the King James right here. It says heathen. Translate New King James a little lighter. Gentiles. Just heathen stronger, ain't it? Amen? Foreseeing that God will justify the heathen through faith, 
preached the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, that's you and me, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Y'all, I'm fixing to preach. That's a, I'm just tired of notes. I'm going to preach a little bit. Is that okay? They which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Christ has redeemed us, verse 13 says, from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangs on a tree. Why did he do that? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now what does that tell us? The blessing of Abraham. Once Abraham believed God, whatever he had need of became his. Whatever he stepped became his. Have you ever thought about that? <coughs> Excuse me. What happened in the Garden of Eden when we sinned? Man lost what? What did man have? Man had dominion. The Bible says that. Man had dominion. That's the word used. <coughs> Excuse me. He was in control of all the garden. There was God, then man. Man had dominion over all. Did you know that's why, <coughs> excuse me, that's why that, that mankind could be in the garden with all the beasts of the field. There was no danger. They were all plant eaters. Read your scripture. Because man sinned, death entered upon all flesh. The first death of an animal, as you know, was whenever the Lord killed the animal to clothe even Adam in their nakedness. So man was able to do that because of me. You look right now, would you get in the cage with a, with a wild lion? I wouldn't. I mean, my name ain't Daniel, so <laughs> knocks me out. Amen. Would you? And I'm going to be honest with you. I thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost, and I'm not going to judge people or whatever, but I've never understood or, or never felt the need or the desire to be one of snake handling Pentecostals. <laughs> y'all bring a rattlesnake in here and I'm going to leave it in the box. And if y'all corner me trying to handle it to me, I'm going to shout a little bit and say, Sheila Mackay, pass it on by, because I ain't touching one of things. I'm just going to tell you. I ain't felt no need. I saw a program on here a while back. I saw a program on TV. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I ain't saying it ain't real. I mean, I've seen, y'all know it. I'm being honest with you. But it showed them out gathering rattlesnakes for their service. Hey, I know what Mark says, but I'm thinking take up serpents as a representation of the devil. That's my interpretation. I'm sticking with it because God ain't led me to handle those snakes. Now, I do believe like the Apostle Paul, you can drink. I believe I could reach in a fire. I'm being honest with you. I got, I, this is no truth, no joke. I got a, my great uncle Orby, y'all heard me talk about living to be 106. It's the gospel truth. When he was 84, three boatloads, he was with some of his children who already were in their 60s. He was with some of his children or grandchildren. They went and put in down in Fargo, Georgia, at the Swanee River down there, and was going fishing. And Uncle Orby, they come up in the boat he was in and hit a tree and a moccasin fell in the boat and they went kicking out and the moccasin bit Uncle Orby. Latched onto him. And they had, it took them 45 minutes in the boat to get where they were going. 
So they went to panicking. And if you knew a girl, you'd know how real this is. He said, children, don't worry. I've lived for him for 84 years. He's put me on it. And if he wants to take me on, I'm ready to go. If he ain't, this will be the morning I ain't bite. And when he did, the Holy Ghost hit him. And went to shouting and speaking in tongues in the boat. When he got through, he said, let's go fishing. And his children went to Pentecost. No, daddy, we got to get you to the hospital. He said, I'm fine. Let's go. They wouldn't do it. They went the other 45 minutes back upstream or downstream, whichever way, to the landing. Got in and drove him 35 miles to Homerville to the hospital. Waited to see the doctor in the emergency room. The doctor come in, examined him and said, Mr. Davis, ain't nothing wrong with you. He said, I tried to tell him. And he got in his truck and drove himself home. <laughs> now, I believe in that. You see where I'm coming from. I'm okay with that. Okay? But I'm not going to handle no snake. Y'all may be one of these that feel fine, and I ain't going to judge you. That's fine. I don't like taking innocent life. I ain't one of them that just kills a deer to kill it or anything like that either. I believe in eating what you kill and, and that kind of stuff. You see where I'm coming from. But don't put a snake in front of me. Garden snake, yard snake is a dead snake if I get hold of that snake. <laughs> but all the animals, snakes, lions, tigers, whatever, man had dominion. Yeah. We forfeited that in the garden. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's why you can't get around a wild beast now. It'll attack you now. One time, we had dominion. Are you with me? Man forfeited that. But spiritually speaking... When Abraham entered into a covenant relationship with God, God gave him dominion again. Because of that faith, inhabited land, it didn't matter. Fighting for the land didn't matter. God said, wherever you step belongs to you. Amen. Well, let me tell you something. What this woman tapped into that we need to tap into is it don't matter our last name or where we were birthed at. Whenever we believe in who he is, we enter to the blessing of